Welcome back to What's Left to Do. I'm your host, Janelle. All right, back with Faison's part two, where he spends a little too much time strumming my pain with his fingers. Uh Uh-huh. Singing my life with his words. (laughs) When walking us through the crisis of unfulfillment he experienced as a tech worker living the good life. Just, he was just telling his business and mine. (laughs) And in his typically overachieving manner, he reveals how he decided to go to med school and become a damn doctor in order to most effectively organize for Medicare for All. (sighs) That is such a flex. Said you went to Emory. What was your what was your major? It's physics. Huh. What did you did you have an idea or did you think at that time that you knew what you wanted to do with your life? Or were you kind of trying to like live out something for your parents, kinda of, sort of still, or are you just kind of figuring out like what no. like where were you? Like in college, at the end of college? You know, um I went into college thinking I was gonna become a lawyer. Huh. And I think that was a big part from being a big debater in high school. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of debaters go into political science, go into pre-law tracks, quote unquote. Yeah. But I hated it. Yeah. I mean, honestly, it felt like more just random theory about the executive branch. So I was yeah. like, does anyone really care? I mean, yeah. <laughs> come on. Um, and I remember there was a senior at the time, and I was a freshman. He was like, just talking to me. He's like, hey, I think you'll like, just trust, trust me on this. I think you'd really like physics. Hmm. I had never taken physics in high school. Mm-hmm. And I took this class over the summer, and I just got my butt kicked. Huh. I mean, I, I had some inclination for math and computational stuff, but the, the class was hard, the instructor was hard, mm-hmm. and I had to actually just, like, really focus in order to actually learn it, but I loved it. Mm-hmm. I mean, it felt like almost thematically what we're talking about, like, math is super abstract. Yeah. Physics, it's like you're applying mathematical ideas ah. to real-world situations. Mm-hmm. Um, and, it, and it satisfied a part of my brain that, like, likes to just, like, solve problems. Ah, okay. Think in really concrete ways. Ah! Um, but I still struggled with that, right? Because I, I got to the end of college, like, does a physics major just go become a professor? Does he yeah, do go research. get his master's or be, do, go do research? Mm-hmm. And my dad was like, hey, you should think about becoming a doctor. Of course. <laughs> I was like, okay, dad. <laughs> um, and I don't know. So I thought I was going to go actually go into teaching for mm-hmm. a little bit. Okay. And there's a school in Florida. I was going to be the debate coach there. I was mm. going to teach kind of a uh, couple subjects in physics there. Mm. And then I happened to meet someone that was like, hey, you're kind of an interesting cat. Like, <laughs> uh. you know, our team is hiring at Google. Would you be interested in actually applying here and seeing where it goes? Mm-hmm. And I applied for the job and they prepped me for the interview. And I think, honestly, it was the the glory and fame of, you know, this is this was even Google before Google was like yeah, yeah, yeah. a gigantic phenomena. Uh-huh. 
I think kind of the glory and fame that kind of got to me, and I decided sure. to go that direction. Yeah, like, that 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 little Pakistani boy yearning for some social validation was <laughs> still there. Uh, okay. Yeah. What was now? What what was it like being at Google after having this very intense experience? Well, uh, maybe it wasn't that intense, but I it sounds intense. Intense experience of like getting an up close and personal seat or involvement in like the praxis that you ex- you experienced in undergrad with the Sodexo fight for the cafeteria workers because mm-hmm. that's not that's not super um that's not that's not necessary that's not really encouraged in tech you understand like yeah. a focus on like workers rights particularly workers rights that are not you know you know uh, white collar you know quote knowledge workers so like was there a little bit of dissonance being a go or was it just like, Hey, you know, I'm going to do my job and yeah. make good money. And like, uh, you know, I'll maybe do some volunteering here and there or like, what was that like being at Google? Um, back to that question, that point of integration that you brought yeah. up earlier, like, were you integrated at Google or not really? Didn't really have the time. Google was the place. It was the right place where I needed to be at that moment. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It allowed me to kind of leave the safety net of Georgia, mm-hmm. which allowed me to leave kind of the influence of everything I had known from up to that point. Mm-hmm. And it, in a way that's almost ironic, I'm self-identifying as like a high achievement oriented person. Sure. And I think a lot of that type has a hard time being like experimenting with anything without a lot of like safety. Yeah. Yeah. And it's ironic because they have almost the most safety net. Yeah, but that's but they also have in their minds the most to lose. So I get it. Totally. They're like, oh, what if I lose this income or this Mm -hmm. status? Yeah. So, you know, it served a purpose of letting me get out of that Hmm. Georgia bubble. Hmm. Um, You know, at Google itself, the first couple of years were more than anything just fun Mm -hmm. and computational. Yep. And I felt very well supported by like Daddy Google. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> All my needs were taken care of. Oh, listen, massages on campus, gyms, massages, food, food, gyms. food discounts, transportation, great benefits. Uh, just, yeah. just everything. Mm-hmm. I, I. So that was going on on one track. Yeah. The other track was that my friend Alex, who I mentioned, mm-hmm. another guy, who. I don't know if you'd want me to mention his name explicitly, so I'll just say this other friend. Friend. Mm-hmm. They were just kind of like that part of my consciousness that was like, hey, man, like, we're glad you feel supported and you have, like, you can go on great vacations, yeah. you go camping whenever you want to. But, like, we know you. Mm. We know kind of, like, what you're committed to. Mm. And, like, you know, their way of showing that kind of love to me was that they would kind of rag on me a little bit yeah, about yeah, it. Yeah, 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 of course. And I think within a couple of years of being at Google, I was like, this ain't it. Ah, uh, because there's, when you say that, what do you mean? So, oh, I, I, I love, I've been re- reflecting on this recently because I've been speaking to other people who are in this situation mm-hmm. who are often, who are kind of feeling the same dissonance. Ah. Where you reach a point of like a good amount of success pretty early on in your career. You're making great money. Uh god awful amount of money for your age. Yeah. Especially and you you didn't have any debt, you didn't have to take care of anybody. You like all your money you made was yours, so it was even even more you was you was paid. Uh-huh. Go ahead. I, I was I was getting handsomely paid. Yeah. 
could work whenever I wanted That's to. Right. I was working like five or six hours a day. Yeah, yeah. And bike to work every day on the Embarcadero of yep. San Francisco. It is a beautiful Google office. That's right. And yet, when I'd speak to my mother, mm-hmm. she's like, are you depressed? Ah! You know, She heard something in your voice. She just felt like the... Kind of felt like I was bored and my mind was kind of just not active uh-huh. and... You weren't stimulated. You I wasn't fulfilled. stimulated in the ways that were actually growing me. Ah. You know? Ah. It was like, oh, learn about this new ad product. Yeah. Go work on this. Yep. And, you know, I think the very vulnerable part of this is that I got very anxious. Huh. Um, so anxious so that, you know, I, I would call my mom up a few times a day and just kind of like mm. be like, I don't know what's going on, but like I huh. can't concentrate. I can't think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, what do you think that was? You know, I think that was really an answer to my prayer in some ways. Ha! Say, yeah. say, say, say it. Well, Go ahead. Say it. You know, maybe, maybe it's me getting a parent to you, Janelle, that I think all humans are, but I definitely index a little bit harder on the side. We are meaning-making machines. Supposed to be, yeah. Yeah, and uh-huh. so, like, you know, if you believe in God or if you believe in life or the universe, if you're willing to be open to that, right? Because I was saying a prayer where I was like, I know this, isn't it? Ah! But, like, where does one go? Huh. In this in this world in which I've all I've known to do is just climb That's right. social status, That's I've right. reached it. Yeah, I did I've it. reached the number one place to work in this in this country. Yep. Pays me well, getting promoted, and I'm depressed and bored. Ah! And I would pray, you know, to whatever I was even praying to. Yeah. Like, I I I don't know if I can go on living life like this for my huh. whole life. Huh? Huh? It feels empty. It feels uh-huh. shallow. I mm. feel bored. Mm. I feel not stimulated. Mm. I feel disconnected. Uh-huh. And I think my anxiety, and I, I'm not a psychologist or a psychiatrist. That's okay. Say it. But my take on a lot of these things, these these low-level anxieties and depressions are, mm-hmm. especially in techies mm-hmm. or mm-hmm. high-performance people, is like, it's a little bit of your consciousness saying, hey, are you really taking care of yourself? Uh-huh. And that doesn't necessarily mean that you're taking another massage. Mm-hmm. I'm talking about... Are you Are you taking care of your soul? Are you listening to your soul? Uh-huh. Are you willing to actually put yourself in the unknown a little bit? Ah. And trust yourself. Feel the aliveness of actually not having so much safety net around Insecurity, you. Insecurity, yeah. Mhm. Um, or you know, quote secure the idea of security because nothing is your your only true security yeah, is Yeah, security yourself. is a, you know, it's a a fake notion that yeah. we supplement with a lot of status and ah. money. You know? Uh-huh. And so that anxiety where it was getting so bad that, you know, I was almost losing weight because I was so anxious. He already think y'all can't see him and I'm gonna take a picture of him so you can tell, but this thing is he ain't bigger than a bean pole to uh, begin I, with. I'm not a big guy, yeah. No, I'll admit that. But you were but you were so anxious that you were it was it was having a physical manifestation. I was having a physical manifestation. I couldn't sleep well. I Woo. you know I would even try doing things I thought would help me enjoy my life yeah. more, like bike or whatever. Yeah, and meditate, hike. All those things felt like it was a band-aid on yep, top of yep, some deeper yep. so, uneasiness. Something was un getting just, unsettled. Yeah. And um, you know, I have a ton of compassion for my fellow techies who, you know are still in it. Are still in it. And I'm not gonna wrong them for it. No, of course not. Mainly because I don't feel like it's empowering for them to actually change anything. Mm-hmm. But 
you know, there, there's one half of my life in which I work as a coach with people. Mm-hmm. And all I do is I have conversations with people who are like, they're starting to feel a little bit of that. Yeah. Not anxiety per se, but like they have a yearning. For something Something else. that's more. Deeper. They may not even have the words for it. Yeah, of course. But. But they do know, they do have, they do start to get a glimpse of like, this is not all of it yes. for me. Yeah. yeah I yeah. <laughs> Totally. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, like, um, you know, one question I would ask myself a lot in that moment, and this came up right before the Bernie campaign, it's like, if I have kids, or let me talk about my nieces and nephews in the future, mm-hmm. and they ask me, mm-hmm. what was I doing when kids were being caged at the border? Ah! Xenophobia against Muslims was ha. rising. And this planet was being wrecked by climate change hey. and normal everyday people couldn't afford insulin. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Am I going to tell them that, oh, I just kept writing, you know, kept doing a job in which, honestly, I could quit and Google would not blip. They wouldn't, wouldn't miss a beat. You know, so I can, there's nothing wrong with that. That's fine. Yeah. But. The story I'd like to be able to tell my children, my nieces and nephews is like, hey, I opened up my eyes for a moment. Yeah. And I realized that I was feeling an emptiness. Yeah. And I decided to actually act on that. Yeah. Which is all you can really do. That this that's it. <laughs> you know? That's that's it. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um it's and you're gonna make mistakes and you're gonna find moments in which you're like, is this it or is this not it or whatever? Yeah. yeah. But at least you know, take a leap of faith and actually yeah, you give yourself that. that chance. I mean, yeah. don't do it for anyone else. Do it for yourself because right. that that kind of anxiety and depression I was feeling that, mm. you know, I think therapy was somewhat useful for me. It helped yeah. me open up my emotions and take a look at it. But it wasn't until I was actually willing to do something about it, move and change my ex- my, my internal and external world. Yeah, that's right. That anxiety and depression actually really dissipated that's right became negligible when it was like oh Hmm. in some cases depression and anxiety is like situational like Mm. and there's there's no not not no but there's only so much that you'll be able to ameliorate with i don't know different things uh meditation maybe even medication or you know quote self-care or da 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 like there's 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 an upper bound Mm -hmm. when you are still in that Mm -hmm. context and that's not that's not shade to anyone who has to stay in a job because you have you have mouths to feed you have a roof to keep over your head or you know the whole family the weight of the family is on your shoulders and you got to take one for the team i understand i'm not yeah that that is there are real material realities that that keep people in uh, situations that are no longer serving them but um but but sometimes if you are sometimes if and when you are able if you are in a situation where your perception of risk is such that you can tolerate something that you would you think of as risky or other people around you think of as risky it it will probably benefit you to be able to look at your situation with different eyes in order to say hey you know maybe you know i hadn't planned on Mm -hmm. you know uh floating on if you have it again i'm not trying to just be quixotic here there are real like material concerns to keep in mind but you know it might benefit you to say like hey this pot of money that i had you know designated for x maybe it's okay for me to you know use that for 
I don't know, six months while I figure out this or maybe, you know, you know, I, I previously thought that I needed this amount of money to live a happy, quote, secure, you know, uh, comfortable life. But actually this thing over here where I'm making yeah. way less, but, you know, but I'm still able to meet my, you know, meet my commitments. And maybe that just means, you know, you know, no vacations this year, but that's fine because this is the work that brings me a lot. Like it just sometimes it helps to to think think about things differently or look at things with a different set of eyes that can help you navigate navigate um navigate a way because because again anecdotally like a lot of what i see and what people are going through is like situational it's like and you have to and and it the the biggest kind of relief comes when you're able to change or get out of the current situation into yeah. another one. And again, it's not easy d- depending on, you know, what your situation is, what's going on, da da, da but but that's I don't know, the just I I, I love it. I love actually what you're saying here yeah. because I think the word that you've been saying that stands out to me is that perception. Yeah. Right? And whether this is explicit or implicit, mm-hmm. I will leave for another moment, but I think the corporate economy does a really good job of telling you that if you don't have these things, yep. you will feel trapped or stuck yep. or yep. immobilized. Yep. And let me let me actually use a very tangible example of this, mm-hmm. right? Like I had so much fear initially of leaving Google. Yes. And um you know, and it, and it's and it's funny, right? Because when I take a step back, I'm a single guy yep. at the time. Yep. Making about a quarter million dollars a That's year. That's correct. I don't even have cost of living. Yep. Um, I'm maxing out my 401k. That's right. I'm putting money into like long-term investments. That's right. I got an HSA. That HSA. Google kicks a grand into Google every pays year. My HSA. Yeah, that's you know, right. I don't uh-huh. have to pay my. That's right. And um. I have no debt. I have this fear that mm-hmm. if I leave that, mm-hmm. then like let's even consider that just to just to calm my own fears at the time. Yeah. Okay. Am I gonna be safe? Am I gonna be all right? Yep. Is everything gonna work out? Yep. What if this is the wrong path? What, right. All these questions. What if I leave this job and I never ever get another job if I need it and and I am Oh my god, that's a the one greeter right. at Walmart. No, that's no shade to greeters at Walmart, but like totally. that but I'm you know, I'm now I'm living in complete precarity. Yeah. Uh-huh. I, I think the honest statement around this is like if you're working in a big tech company, mm-hmm. you will probably never be in a situation where you could get a job that will not pay your needs. Yeah, that's right. It's like you're not. I. You already have that credential. You have that credential yep. and that floor is yep. there. Yep. And yet, you yet can be in the worst question. fear. Yeah, that's right. And so I think, you know, this also sounds take, a lot like Dan. So, like you know, you take a moment <laughs> of breath. You take a moment to step back, and mm-hmm. you're like, okay, yes. Could I give myself six months? Yeah. Could <clears throat> Could I actually leave this job and? <laughs> Can I trust myself to go find Duh, another, another job, job if I need to? Yeah, that's it. Yo, you need to mind your business. Uh huh. Um, you you are on my front doorstep right now. Uh huh. Yep. All the things that allowed me to get a job yep. at a place like Google. Do I yep. trust that all those skills and huh. capabilities will still I be could with figure me? Something out. Yeah, and I could figure it out. That's it. You know, that's it. Um, 
but we've talked about trust so much in this interview. And I think the thing that I want to bottom line, what we're just saying is like the corporate economy mm-hmm. does a really good job of saying trust Trust us. Us. Yeah, not yourself. But don't trust yourself. That's correct. You need this promotion. That's right. You need this high salary. That's right. You need, and you know, I'm, I'm saying this for both people who want to go into organizing, but even if you want to become the other side of this, people who just want to do something that's entrepreneurial. Yeah. They have the same fear. It's like, oh, if I don't have income for a year or yeah, two. that's right. Right, entrepreneurial can be everything from starting a podcast, starting a company yeah, yeah, to, you know. Anything. Starting a bakery for, but like to be in such a grip of fear. Yeah. And I think my anxiety was the thing that just forced me to not ignore that. Uh, I was like, hey, I'm having s- symptomatic yeah, issues yeah. that my body is trying to tell, my, me, tell something. me something. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I can choose to ignore that yeah. and suppress that with medication. Yeah. Or and I can actually myself. open that up to yeah. myself and be like, yeah. what is it that it's actually trying to tell me? Yeah. And let me actually lean uh-huh. into that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And see what happens. Yeah, uh-huh. And you, okay, and so what What was the conclusion? I mean, we, yeah. spoiler alert, of course you fucking left, but I'm saying like, what was the, when you opened yourself up to that yeah. question of trying to listen to what life and your body was telling you, what did you, what What did you hear? Yeah, a few different paths. You know, I, at the time I was reading a book, Just Mercy by Brian Stevenson. Huh. And I read that book and I was like, this guy is doing something so much more meaningful than I am. Uh-huh. So I read that book and I decided to like go become like wanted to go become a public defender. Ah. So I took the LSAT mm-hmm. while I was at Google and mm-hmm. I applied and I got into law school in New York mm-hmm. and I was, you know, good to go. Mm-hmm. And I um I worked up the courage, I got to that point, and I resigned. Mm-hmm. And there was a gentleman that I had met at Google who was working on things related to mental health. Yeah. Not to say that was the other kind of like passion of mine, especially as I was going through a lot of anxiety and depression. And I was at this very unique juncture where um, he was like, hey, I know that you're about to leave. Mm -hmm. You're about to go to school in New York. Mm -hmm. But there's this idea I have around mental health. Mm. Would you be interested in checking it out before you go? Mm-hmm. And I took him up on that. Mm-hmm. And I was really inspired by the guy. He's, you know, a former, you know, if you, if you, if you, if you know who Tony Fauci is, yeah. he was Tony Fauci's counterpart for mental health. Oh, wow. And I was like, oh, this guy has it all. He's integrated it all. He's, yeah. he's, a te- he's a technologist. He's doing it in a subject area that he cares about. And... I decided not to go to law school at that moment. Ah. And I took this job in this very small entrepreneurial setting with maybe four or five people. Yeah. That was working on an idea that was like, I consider biotech, mm-hmm. you know, mental health and technology at the intersection. Yeah. And that kind of like was the next, that, that's when I left Google and kind of continued the next chapter of ah, my, okay. you know, saga in life. Got you. At this, at a, at a biotech startup. It was a biotech startup initially. Down gotcha. Palto. Yeah. Gotcha. Um, and so... So, and that was, was that starting to help you integrate more back into like your, like bringing your whole self back together? It was a step, right? Mm -hmm. Because I think at Google, I was working on things that were so abstracted from people. Yeah. I had this idea that's like, okay, I have four years of technological skills. Yeah. What if I actually did it in a topic area I cared about, like mental health? Yeah. 
So that felt integrative and it also felt like I was not a cog. It was five of us. We were all working on something together. Yeah. Your work meant something there. Work meant something. If I didn't show up, people would be impacted. Yeah. And um I learned a ton about healthcare. Uh-huh. Ah. Not just mental health, uh-huh. but like how do pairs like I got to meet the guys at Aetna and Pfizer and all these insurance companies and just get mm-hmm. to hear them like, oh, this is how they like think about their job. Uh-huh. They actually think they're like saints, <laughs> which is funny to people who are, yeah. you know, like progressives or the recipients of healthcare. They're yeah. like, y'all are ruining me. Yeah, that's right. Um, I got to meet with the pharmaceutical companies, yeah. right? Hmm. And, you know, these wa- these scientists slash entrepreneurs who are, you know, just have their own motivations yeah. as to why they're doing this. Got yeah. to meet with the clinics. Yeah. Got to meet with some patients. Yeah. And... I was starting to get a good scaffolding of like what the mental health care system in this country actually looks like. Which is? Describe it for people. Uh, you know, very disjointed and a lot of people who I think have good motivations but are honestly very misaligned with each other. Because? Because they... Honestly, I think because they, they're not truly willing to listen to the needs of the people who are actually needing the health care. Mm-hmm. They all have some conception of story they've built. Oh, I'm a Pfizer executive and like that means that if I expand this, I'm increasing access. Mm-hmm. Actually, if you go talk to a Medicare Advantage patient, mm-hmm. you go to talk to someone who's, you know, bipolar and who is a Pfizer recipient, mm-hmm. you know, you can actually hear from them how their experiences of that system. Yeah. And by and large, you'll hear from people that they're, they don't have access to the number of healthcare providers they need. Ding, ding, ding. It's really expensive. Yep. Um, difficult to th- navigate. Difficult to navigate. Can't find the right people. Stigma is really big. Uh-huh. And it's just no one wants to truly speak to each other. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I even think the doctors and psychologists, they're also bringing a little bit of their own agenda into it, too. Of course. Like, oh, these are biomedical problems. Mm-hmm. Okay, but we can also agree that you don't have a job, you don't have community support, if you don't have, you know, if you don't have good people who really support you and believe in you, mm-hmm. no amount of taking, you know, an antidepressant or Uh-oh. whatever medication is going to really change change that. your reality. That's I correct. Mean, These are as much yeah. mental health. Yeah, exactly what you're saying, because like. Again, we like we tend to individualize and medicalize mental health when like you cannot divorce, you know, one's mental health state from their social condition. Like, and, and I think that was honestly my own experience of it. it's like, yeah. yeah, I could go see a psychiatrist yeah. and treat my anxiety, depression. That would probably help me. Yeah, we can medicalize it. it I could take a pill, know, and that's no. Again, that is not. That's totally. not to say if you have a prescription, don't take it, or it's in effect. That is not what I'm saying. What I'm saying though is to the expectation that simply medicalizing you know a, a, something perceived as a problem or a malady within someone might not be totally sufficient if we take a look at the the broader picture the context of that person so I, don't i'm not poo-pooing totally agree with I'm you. Just, okay Thank I, you, just, mm-hmm. you know family of doctors you know i i i, I I think medications help a lot of people. It, they absolutely do. And they absolutely do. You know, you're asking like, why is it this way? I think people just have like myopia. They just have like a tunnel vision of 
you know, the doctor comes in, they see a biomedical problem. The insurance executive comes in, they see a payments problem. Yeah. A pharma executive comes in, they think it's like, you know, a drug problem. Yeah. And, you know, really, and I mean this genuinely, I think a lot of people are just doing the best with what they know. Most people. Most. The executives know what the fuck they're doing, well, so fuck yeah, those guys. You know, like, yeah. uh-huh. um, and I think that there's an honest reckoning of... Yeah. Maybe fifteen percent of this problem is medical or mm-hmm. biomedical. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But these people are lonely. Yeah. They are impoverished. That's right. They don't have access. That's right. They don't have resources. They are and they are living they are living uh, I always love the way that Giannis Varifaka says it, but and they are living in terror, like with the terrors yes. of precarity poverty having something one day and you know not of even being be- outed yeah oh, that's right you have bipolar yeah that's or right. you have schizophrenia that's right. and that just being a death so knell to yep. their job yep. or to their family yep. like to their yep. community yep yep um people tell me that oh you have schizophrenia that's a contagious disease mm-hmm. it's like not it's not you know i um <laughs> you know and i think these were also some of the limitations of the company i was at right mm-hmm. it was a silicon valley funded biotech yep. startup so the, so you're look you have to whatever you build has to have you know get like outsized returns and th- that can be yep. it usually is but that can be orthogonal to actually great word <laughs> yeah <laughs> the, just like the 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 actual health and care of people like there's not always yeah. going to be a return to to you know bring someone into community and yep. as a part of making them whole not just the medical intervention but a social intervention I, as well i think that's honestly maybe the the broader story i've been starting to think about silicon valley yeah you know you have one big tech side we talked about that for a little bit mm-hmm. i think the other side is these i'm gonna wax for a moment but like yes Amer- wax my brother America <laughs> has been built on the foundation of small businesses. Yep. We talk about it all the time. Every president talks about mm-hmm. we need to reinvent small businesses. Mm-hmm. And so there's a there's a really beautiful notion in that type of like entrepreneurship. Yeah. Silicon Valley, I think, takes it to like an excess. Yeah. Where it's like, okay, you want to do something in a space, you better make your returns in this period of time. Yep. You better take high venture capital money. So you don't even have ownership or autonomy of your company. Nope. You're gonna provide what i consider surface level change to people that's right but you're gonna market it as like a godsend yeah that's right and the net effect of that is not so different from working in big tech which is that if you're an individual who is working at one of those companies Mm -hmm. who has their heart and trying to serve people you're gonna take a step back and be like wait one second i'm still not really making a dent on people's lives that's right so, I went from a big tech to a small tech place. Yeah, but still tech. And it's all the... Still the same logics apply. All the same logic. Yeah. And that instinct of being an entrepreneur, or being computational or whatever, mm-hmm. like, those are sides of me. Yeah. I just think that they weren't being properly nurtured in a Silicon ah, Valley environment. They weren't being properly harnessed. Harnessed. To, for, the, for the purpose of you feeling you feeling fully utilized fully self-actualized um for you feeling fulfilled yeah yeah i wanted to actually you know i got to see how the pudding was getting made a little bit right yeah yeah. and we'd go into these clinics and you know 
I, I'll speak to it generally. Be, uh, you know, I'm not allowed to speak too specifically to it. Sure, sure, sure. But I think we do some good work, but it's almost, you know, to me it almost come out, comes off as like when you hear people do mission trips to like yeah. sub-Saharan Africa. Yeah. Oh, you went there and you like dug a well. Dig, dug a well. Great, but did you improve the infrastructure of that community? Hello. Did you actually empower the people who are impacted so that when this intervention is gone, hello, you're actually making a long-term impact yeah, on right, not just I spot think, treatments. I think those spot treatments are they're quick, they're surgical, and they're and they feel good for a second. It's like a sugar rush. They, I think it's it, sugar is a great analogy yeah. for it. You can feel larger than life. Like yeah. oh, we found the holy grail. Yeah, whereas actually having to be with people's and experiences requires patience yep. and experience yep. and dedication dedication and it's going to take time yeah and, and it's, it's okay. not going to be immediate but and yeah. it, it is okay because that's just how it is that's just how it goes there are no quick fixes to to uh, uh the social condition of people be it be it you know in the healthcare space in the uh specifically mental health space or housing or environment you know, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. There are no quick fixes. We yeah. cannot, we can ah, who said this? But we cannot like take any like easy wins. Like it's not, it's yeah. not, it's not going to be quick. It's not going to be immediate. It certainly won't have a return to it. Like, you know, it certainly won't be profitable. Um, but that's just, that, that is the nature of the work. Mm. Can I yeah. comment on something you just said? Yeah. It's, it's my, one of my broader sentiments are at the, like where the left is right now or mm -hmm. the progressives, mm -hmm. you know, the, my experience of organizers I've gotten to work with and campaign staff and volunteers is that it is a mission-driven, values-oriented group of people. Yeah. And we do a terrible job ah. of celebrating ah. small progress. That's correct. That's you know? correct. And so then I can actually understand why there's a burnout sometimes yeah. in those spaces. that Or quick disillusionment as quick well. Quick disillusionment because it's yeah. like, okay, we... You know, there's either a perfectionism there that yeah. like, it's not exactly how you want it to yeah, go. Yeah, 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 Or, no, you made some progress. People's lives actually improved. Yeah. And yet, it's really easy to kind of be like, okay, now what's the next thing? Yeah. And I'm just really present to like, it's almost like Silicon Valley is the opposite of that. Mm -hmm. Celebrate everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But actually, you're not really doing, doing anything. anything, yeah. Uh-huh. You know. That's interesting. Maybe learn a little bit of that and bring that to like, you're doing a lot when you're organizing and yeah. empowering people. Yeah. You know, I, celebrate a little bit. I think, yeah. yes. I think, it, I th I'm glad you said that. Because I think what I'm, what I've learned through um, a bunch of, a bunch of uh, interviews with people is that like I came, when I started this, you know, I was just, I was still pissed off, angry, just about how the fuck everything yeah. happened. And, you know, f you know, fuck, fuck 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 it all fuck everybody like this yep. is just i'm ready to just check out because what are what are we doing if we can't you know if we can't notch some wins and and to me in the, when i started this podcast wins looked very you know you know very binary it was zero or one like there is no there is no 0.25 yep. there is no put like we're either we're either getting medicare for all just an example like we're either getting everyone into medicare or we're not and yeah. like you know any anything else is like that's not even worthy of discussion we're either having a debt jubilee for a student the beginning with student debt 
exhaustively, like not exhaustively, 100% or we're not. And they're da-da-da. and uh, so that's where I was. What totally. I'm learning and what I'm understanding is that the in my in my estimation, the best organizers or the people who are able to sustain long-term organizing work do a are much better do a much better job than I was at the time. I I'm getting better at it now of saying like, okay, our goal is still this. Our goal is still you know, student, 100%, you know, full-throated student debt, you know, relief, 100%. But where we are right now is we have a uh, student loan um, payment moratorium through, I just talked to Melissa mm -hmm. the other week. Uh, you know, where we are right now is we have a uh, student loan payment moratorium uh, from the CARES Act, 0% uh, yep. interest, and that is a staging ground to get us there. There is not, you know, we, we certainly, you know, Biden still hasn't, <laughs> you know, still, still sure. isn't, you know, coming out in front of this and like, you know, running on this right now, but we can use this as a moment to yeah. get us there. And yeah. there is a benefit in this moment because, you know, for the first time in many people's adult lives, now that they haven't, you know, had to make, uh, you know, these payments for over a year now is, you know, they've actually been able to save some, some people have been able to like save money for the first time in their life. Some people have been able to like, you know, get, buy a new car because that, mm -hmm. that, you mm -hmm. know, that car payment money is that student loan money is now, you know, the car payment moment, or they've been able to like buy a house or feel okay enough to like be able to have a kid or whatever. You know what I mean? So it's like, so, so I say all that to say, it's like, we absolutely need to do a better job of recognizing small wins or wins on the road to progress to keep us going. Because I think that just like in tech, you know, everyone is looking for, you know, just immediate gratification sure. about every fucking yeah. little thing is that it does, it does help to be gratified along totally the way because you. these are very long. If, if you're serious and if you're focused, like these are very long, difficult fights that, you know, are, are going to take some time. And if you, and if you can't, and if you can't take a moment to say like, Oh, okay. We got this done. You know, like, yes, like, you know, let's, you know, whoop-de-doo. Like, then, then you, then you will burn out because it'll look like absolutely yeah. nothing is happening when actually there's a lot going on in the attempt toward a a better, you know, I don't know what the word you want to use, equal, egalitarian, whatever future. And like another example, not student debt, is um, healthcare. Mm -hmm. Like in California. You know, we you know we know that Democrats have been super goddamn crafty in their in 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 exercising a very feral. They're very they get very feral with political power when they want to deny people things. Like they don't do it when it comes to like you know fucking you know uh, actually winning against Republicans, but they do do it. I.e. with Medicare for all yeah. during a pandemic, they were able to completely take that off the table during a pandemic and toward the conclusion. I mean, we're still in it, but toward the tapering off of the pandemic with the vaccine distribution, wherein like this is the first time in a lot of people's lives that they're in a, they're understanding and they're getting to experience in a widespread sense, you know, vaccination, you know, free medical care free at the point of service yeah, totally. and that's like and you know people are you know over the, it's annoying to get the vaccine depending on where you are like it can be difficult and complicated but like people are understanding that experiencing it it's great and we're st and they still they have still like just foreclosed on the opportunity right now or the ability to 
to use this as a as a as an example of hey, this is what Medicare for all means because fuck the Democrats. But talking to <laughs> talking to Ash, yeah. um, Ash Kara, yeah. who's uh, the Assembly member who uh, authored our latest push towards single payer in California, he was saying, you know. In our push, there are, there are a couple of different things I need to keep our eye on. Like right now, the administration is weighing, you know, lowering the Medicare age to something, something miserably inadequate, like 60 or something. And and I was just like, OK, why the fuck do it, me, me being the, sure. you know, irascible you know, bitch that I am. Like, why the fuck do we care? Yeah. And he's just like, he's like, he's like, I understand what you're saying, but you we you should care because if the administration lowers the age, let's say to, just let's use 60 as a marker. If they're able to lower the Medicare age eligibility age to 60, he was like, that shortened that that is a smaller delta that then we have to cover um, in order to like fund yeah. our, you know, our latest push. So so that's not that's not adequate, but that still helps us yeah. get stand up that system in California. So it's just like, oh, OK, I get it. Um, So it's just like little things like that. So it's although obviously federally, I just want I just want a, a full throated endorsement of Medicare for all. I want us to like get there to tomorrow sure. if we can if we can it it's okay if we stage our way there and you know at the state level and you know california's doing this new york's well, california's trying to do this new york's trying to do this and you know if, if we can you know get these bellwethers to fall as the first dominoes and that's how we get there that's fine too but it's just like being a little yeah being a little less all or nothing has really helped me not just you know, completely given to nihilism. Well, it's it's still bullshit what we're, that we have to even do this, but it's just like, okay, fine, fuck. We, you know, we can't just stop because, you know, 2020 is over. We got to keep going. Go ahead. And, and I think that's more, the thing that keeps me up at night is you have a lot of, you know, organizers or progressives mm-hmm. and they get so either angry or yeah. sad or both yeah. that they never want to actually, you know, they, they just become resigned. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I care about that on just a person to person basis. Yeah. Like I wouldn't want someone who has such a, you know, their heart in such a beautiful place to feel a sense of resignation. Yeah. That, that has a, you know, that can just be a hard place to be in for yeah, too long. That's right. And then I also worry about it for the longevity of any movement, mm-hmm. right? That, you know, these terms that get thrown around a lot in business, like burnout mm-hmm. or like retention mm-hmm. or that it becomes kind of sanitized in mm-hmm. that world. Yeah. But I think it's like, you know, when I think about like celebrating the small wins, mm-hmm. having boundaries with work. Mm-hmm. Um, well-being, mm-hmm. things that kind of get overly used in the tech yeah, world. Yeah. But I care about that stuff from a very long-term perspective of growing a political, a progressive base that is not just a bunch of people who are worn out, tired, taking out their frustrations on That's each right. other. You're right. They actually have enough space inside themselves Hello. to be like compassionate towards That's right. compassionate different patience. people, different yeah. experiences. Yeah, yeah. And I think part of that, and I love what you're saying, I think part of that is like putting down the all or nothing. Yeah, and yeah. The, the the skepticism I always had around that, I was like, 
if I'm giving in to this compromise, does that mean I'm not as committed to that yes, thing? Yes, 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 yes. And there are some there are some compromises that are bullshit. Yeah, sure. So I'm just, uh, so that's yes, and that people should take you to not you, but you know yeah. take someone to task for. And there are some compromises that I think are palatable and tolerable in that if if that person making that compromise is doing that still with the eye toward this is this is where this is this is absolutely where I still want to get us, but this is like a staging ground on the way. I think that is the perfect yeah, distinction, yeah. right? Because mm. sometimes I think compromise gets used by, let's say, centrist Democrats yeah, to be yeah, like, hey, yeah, like yeah. we like stop stop talking to us. Yeah. We did this thing, shut right. up. Right. Whereas it's like, okay, there is a fortunately or unfortunately, but you know, like a long road to get to certain things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Can we see that these steps here are actually leading us there? Yeah. Can we get energy from that so that actually Yes. Says, yes. hey, like, we're actually winning. Yeah. We're bringing people into yeah. this. Yeah. That is what I actually think from from just even a purely strategic perspective. Yeah. I think that that is our best shot for something like Medicare for All. Tell me where you are with things now. Are, are there, are there, are there, do you have, are, are there areas that you're actively organizing around right now? Are, what's next for you? I think you're going to medical school. Are you doing this so you can blow up the medical industrial complex? Like what's going on? Where is, yeah. where are you right now? Um, now that I know that you can smile and I'm no longer afraid of you. Mm-hmm. Since I'm a fun guy, not a serious guy. <laughs> That's right. I'm kidding. kidding. Uh, so yeah, I'm back here in Atlanta, Georgia and I am a medical student here at Emory. Oh, you're in medical school now. Holy shit. Okay. Yeah. Uh-huh. And, you know, I think my intention of that is kind of maybe the intention I've been bringing this whole interview, which is there's a lot of different sides to me. Yeah. Some are very cerebral. Some are very much yeah. uh, around working with people. But mm-hmm. I think the general desire to even go into the world of medicine mm-hmm. is a couple of things. One is I actually want to get a lived experience of our, our healthcare system. Yeah. I want to actually serve and treat patients and actually just make that a larger percentage of my time is uh-huh. serving people. Mm-hmm. And then I think, yeah, I there's this desire of like, what would a what what would organizing and healthcare in a really meaningful way ah. look like? Tell and me what you mean by that. So, I think one area, and I kind of I got a sense of this when. We were doing some of the Doctors for Bernie and the Nurses for Bernie mm-hmm. coalition. It's mm-hmm. like, um, you know, this ivory tower of medicine yeah. is a place that is hierarchical. Yep. It has its conceptions as to what is right and wrong. Yeah, it's elitist. And it has a hard time listening to people outside uh... of it. So that's what, that, that is just a honest reflection yeah. of the healthcare system. That's what it is. Um, and so when I took a step back after the campaign, I was like, what's the way, like, what, what is the thing I'm really committed to Mm -hmm. Mm long-term? You know, the thing that really gets me going is probably like Medicare for all. Of course. And, you know, what would allow me at this current juncture to make the most impact in that? Ah. I'd like to organize, I'd like to continue to organize. I'd like to also go deep into the healthcare world. Yeah. Speak to it. Speak mm-hmm. to it the language that it actually has. Mm-hmm. And be a bridge of those things. Ah, tell me what you mean by that. Well, um, you know, it's so easy, I think, to actually be like, hey, this is the way it is because this is how I see things. Mm-hmm. This is the way it should be because this is the way we think it should be. Mm-hmm. And there's very few people who are kind of 
willing to kind of sit down with both sides and really mm. bridge that conversation in a meaningful way. Let's take doctors for a moment. Mm-hmm. Doctors, they're kind of overworked. They don't really get to do the thing that they signed up to do in healthcare. Yeah. Which is that they wanted to work with patients. Yeah. And now they're getting segmented in these 15-minute slots. Yep. They're being asked to prescribe things by their hospital administrators because it helps them get a higher reimbursement. And skewed incentives. Skewed incentives. Yeah. So then you take a conversation like Medicare for All, and you can speak to it at so many different levels, mm-hmm. right? One level of it is, hey, the thing that you actually signed up to do in your career, mm-hmm. you're not really able to do that because you're only given 15-minute slots because the hospital is trying to maximize its profits. revenue. Yeah, yeah. So what if we shifted to a system that's like, you're going to get paid what you're going to get paid. Yep. And you just do, like, you serve patients to the best of your medical training, which that's was it. 10 years or so. That's right. Um, would you be interested in that? Yeah. Cool. Hmm. You know that thing, burnout you're feeling? Yeah. From always working a lot, mm-hmm. but feeling like you're not making an impact on your patients' lives? Uh-huh. What if you actually had the time and the autonomy ah. to actually go do that? Mm. What if you didn't have that icky feeling of like, ah, I don't even know if this is necessary, but I know that this will keep the, my the boss happy in terms of what I'm prescribing right. or what I'm, you know, what I'm, you know, what procedures I'm ordering or tests or la la. What if, what if you didn't have to have contend with that icky feeling that sometimes comes up in the course of practicing? I, I, I think that's such a big part of it, right? Yeah. Like, I'm, I'm definitely a believer that. All these different worlds we've kind of touched on, right? Yep. Techies, entrepreneurs, doctors, healthcare workers. If we allow our conditioning that separates us to kind of fall to the wayside a moment, mm-hmm. most people want to do meaningful work. That's right. They want to serve others. That's right. They want to have enough to kind of take care of themselves yeah. and their family and their kids. They don't want to be in debt. Yeah. You know, and, yeah. you know, if you really zoom out in each one of these individual contexts, yep. You can kind of actually start to thread the needle a little bit of like, hey, this thing that would actually be very substantively meaningful for you as an individual and you as your institution. Yeah. What if we all kind of got together and advocated for that? Ah. And that could actually look like a a reform healthcare system, a Medicare for all system, Mm -hmm. a system that actually gives the people receiving the treatments or giving the treatments more power than just administrators. Yeah. Would that be something you're interested in? Because Mm. that's what my friend... You know, Bernie Sanders is really advocating for. Would yep. you be interested in voting for that kind of guy? Ah. Um, you know, I don't have all the details worked out, but sure, I imagine sure. that. Tell me what you imagine. This is what's most important. You know, yes. I imagine that in so many different forms, having progressives that actually live in these spaces mm-hmm. can bring more people into this, into the fold. Uh-huh. And it can... Um, you can actually allow for this broader integration that I think huh. progressive values. When I think of progressive values, I think about a lot of acceptance of other people's experiences, mm-hmm. a compassion mm-hmm. and advocating for other people to actually live good lives. Mm-hmm. But overall, a sense of just empowerment would yeah. be the word that comes to mind, like empowering groups of people, empowering yourself. Yeah. Yeah. And, I think workers of all different sorts, whether those are teachers or doctors, techies, entrepreneurs, like there is a common thread that doesn't require a progressive to compromise on their value. Correct. It can just bring people in to say, hey, you're actually, 
when you get really present to what you want in your life, mm-hmm. you'll realize you actually can realize that that's actually the most in line uh, with your commitments. Ah, uh, uh-huh. yeah. Um, and there's work for you to do, and have compassion for yourself, and yep. no one's perfect. And you know, if there was a gift, I'd really give to the left. Mm-hmm. It's that we pick too many candidates or people that parade themselves as being perfect yeah. or pure. Yeah. Only to find that their humanity shows up. Yeah. Hey. Hmm. And I think those candidates, the thing that they can really own is doing their own work. Yeah. Whether that's with a coach, a therapist, a partner, yeah. or their community. And I think that community, that set of progressives can also practice standing by their values and also an ethic of forgiveness. Ha! Yes. Mm-hmm. Because. Why is that important? Because I think if you don't have that. Mm-hmm then we'll all eventually be very separate from each other. That's right. And that is orthogonal too. Changing people's lives. Ah! I think we actually are committed to in the first place. Hey, come on. Uh-huh. Okay. So that's, that's, you know, uh-huh. So you are, so you take. are going to be our medical mole for Medicare for all. <laughs> I, I'm an open mole. People know that <laughs> to this day. I wear a Medicare for all mask in my, you know, my medical school yeah. and, have you found are people are people are people uh, easily receptive to it when you bring it up when you bring it up to your your fellow colleagues your fellow students or or yeah. is it still kind of like a no I don't I, I'm not going into being a doctor to be broke that'll make me broke like what are the what are the reactions you get you know I, it's a range but I think I've been pleasantly surprised we did some organizing here in the November and January election yeah and. I was pleasantly surprised by how many people were like, okay, maybe they're a Warren Democrat mm-hmm. or a Sanders Democrat, or maybe they're even more centrist, mm-hmm. but could get behind notions that people and patients, which are the same thing, right? Yeah. Hello. Like they should have the right to vote. Yeah. They should feel empowered. Yeah. Patients and people in the healthcare world, something needs to change. Yeah. And for me, it's like, it's just a lot of what good canvassing and organizing is about. It's like, hey, I'm there with you. Yeah. Let me tell you a little bit of why Let me give I you think my Medicare for All yeah. would actually satisfy those things you're mentioning ah. the most efficiently. Ah, would you be I willing see. to campaign for that? Would you be willing to actually organize around that? Hmm. Maybe right now it means we get, you know, Raphael Warnock. And John Ossoff in office. That guy owes me $600, but go ahead. Uh-huh. <laughs> you know... And that's hell of a lot better than Sonny, you know, David Perdue and sure. Kelly Loeffler. And once we do that, and when we celebrate the win of that, yeah, let's also continue to organize all right. different ways. Because they they are not in support of these things, but we yeah. can figure out ways to organize and hopefully, and we don't know how, but hopefully, you know, push them left, force their hand. Yeah, yeah I got you. Ah, okay. You know what, Faisal, I'm going to apologize for busting your balls at the beginning because this conversation has been a warm hug because you need to mind your business because you were telling my story. Thank you very much. Um, I know that you have to go, even though I could I could easily spend all day here talking to you. But <laughs> what, do you, what do you want? Are there, are you, are, how can people get in touch with you if they're interested yeah. because you're, you're a far out cat? Um, a groovy cat, not a far Yeah, cat. a few different ways. Okay. So I think if you're in 
Georgia, but I think this, this, this will also apply for anyone else that you find yourself in a place that you want to organize. Mm-hmm. You know, I think we don't need to wait till another presidential election. Come on. To start working on things like voting rights mm-hmm. and, you know, whether it's healthcare reform or climate justice, like, let's let's talk and figure out things. Because yeah. there's always, I think, a way to actually not think about it so much, but actually go do it. do it. Yeah. That's the first thing. Uh-huh. The second thing is, you know, beyond being a medical student, I spent a lot of my time actually as a, you know, a coach, a personal professional development coach. You know, what does that actually mean? What that means is that you are probably someone that is realizing you're not really living aligned with your Uh, values. uh You're starting to feel that yearning. Mm. You may be even a little scared because you've gotten so used to the comforts of your your six-figure salary or whatever. Yeah, your cushy life. And I'm not here to deny any of that. Mm -hmm. But reach out to me because I think that there is something in store for you, whether that's uh, doing something in political organizing, electoral organizing, or just something that's more aligned with your values, but don't let your life go by hmm. ignoring those whispers. Because? Because you'll actually live a life with big, more joy and ah, ease and ah, more meaning. Ah, you'll sleep better at night. Ah, and you'll look back and when you speak to your children or speak to your nieces and nephews, you will set, feel a sense of pride with the mm-hmm. way you actually spent your life. Hmm. So, you know, Please don't hear that as there's anything wrong with what you're doing. Yeah. But there's an opportunity. Mm-hmm. There's something greater that you are your life is worth living for. Ah. And get supported. And I'm happy to be that person to at least start that conversation and call yourself for call yourself forward ah. to something that is actually commensurate with, you know, the life you want to live, not mm. the life you were given. Ah. Hey. You you might be a Muslim, but you got some you got me feeling real Baptist. Uh, uh-huh. <laughs> There's a preacher living inside That's me. That's right. <laughs> we love it. Um, so how can people get in touch with you? So they can get in touch with me a couple ways. Mm-hmm. Um, I got uh, a couple homegirls that might be uh, that might need to talk to you. Go ahead. Uh huh. How, how can you we get got, in touch with you? You know, I would say first and foremost, just give um, email me. Mm-hmm. Uh, my email is. Faison Rab, F-A-Y-Z-A-N-R-A-B, coaching, C-O-A-C-H-I-N-G, at gmail.com. I'll put that in the show notes. Uh-huh. And Send me a note. Mm-hmm. doesn't matter where you're at. Just reach out. Yep. And even if I'm not the right person for you, I sure as know someone who would be helpful to you no matter where you're at. Uh-huh. Um, I have a website. It's FaisonRab.com. I talk a little bit about my own story, my own journey. And that there's also a way to kind of get in contact with me there. Mm-hmm. Um. And the last thing I'll just say is in, in about a few weeks, there's a good friend of mine. She's a progressive in New York. She's running for office, and I'm helping gain some, uh, gather some support and momentum for her. And, um, you know, can kind of kill two birds with one stone, attend that, get to meet someone who um, is very much living her own values. Mm. What and is she running for? She's running for, well, her name's Rana, Rana Abdelhamid. Mm-hmm. She's running in New York 12 ah. against a kind of more establishment Democrat. Yeah. And we're hosting a little event fundraiser for her sometime in mid-July. Claire and I are kind of organizing oh, that. Oh, nice. Okay. I'm so, get an invite. Uh-huh. you know, honestly, whether you're a techie, an entrepreneur, a doctor, an organizer, progressive, whoever you are, give yourself a shot. Mm-hmm. Show up to that. Get to meet some good people. Mm. And I think that 
you won't regret showing up and actually letting something maybe spark something in your own heart ah. around, you know, what, what would give your life a little bit more meaning and fire. with Faison, I put his website and email address in the show notes. Please do reach out and get in touch with him if you're feeling that pull towards something else. Something else that you may not even be able to describe or have a crystal clear understanding of just yet. As someone who went through this exact same thing, I can attest that life gets bigger and better on the other side. All right, I'll see you back here next week, my little darlings. Bye-bye.